turn again now to the Old Testament and to 1 Samuel and chapter 21. And we can read at verse 10. 1 Samuel 21 and at verse number 10. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish the king of Gath. And so on down to the fifth verse of the following chapter. Now we want to pick up and continue our uh, second part of the study of the life of David. And we see the life of David in the context of the rise and fall of King Saul. And as we look at the life of David, we see God's choice. God chose David as a man according to his own heart, and he was anointed by Samuel. We see, following that choice, that there is conflict And the conflict is there because Saul is jealous of David and God being with him and is determined to kill him. In the midst of the conflict we see companionship because David and Jonathan, the son of Saul, they have their hearts knit together in covenant and there is that sense of companionship. As we follow on the story, there is also a sense of contradiction Uh, and by that I mean circumstances don't seem to reflect that David is God's choice as king and that reminds us of the way in which this world in which we live so often speaks to us in different ways and brings us to places where the very places that we find ourselves in and the people that are around us in these places seem to speak a voice into our thinking that does affect our faith. Uh, Tonight we want to look at this passage and experience in the life of David and to see the way in which that is what was happening. He saw circumstances. He remembers the promise of God and things just don't seem to line up in the way that they should. So against that background, we want to look at this section and think of David's failure and God's faithfulness. And failure can can mean simply a lack of success. But we're not thinking of failure in that sense. We are thinking of failure as the neglect or the omission of the required kind of action and behavior. David's failure and God's faithfulness. Well, notice first of all that we have a flight. In other words, David is on the run. And we know he's on the run from King Saul. And we see in verse 10 that he rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And so he is fleeing from Saul. He is leaving the place of danger. He knows his life is under threat. In his mind, he knows that he is God's king. And the remarkable thing is that the direction that David follows in this passage is taking him from one danger 
into another danger because he goes down to Achish, the king of Gath, that great city of the Philistines, that stronghold of the Philistines, that, that place which was noted for so many different things, but that place which also was the place to which the Philistines had taken the Ark of God in the first place when they captured it. And also it is the place from which Goliath came. And that connection is important because it reminds us of David's victory for God, that he trusted in God and with a sling and the sword of Goliath he killed their champion and the success was with the people of God. But we saw in the beginning of the chapter the way in which he came to Ahimelech and he had no food and he had no weapons. And there was only one weapon in, in the place where the presence of God was found and that was the sword of Goliath. And David knew what that meant and he said, give it to me. There, there is no sword like the sword of Goliath. And so he goes with the sword of Goliath into the very heart of the place, the country, the city from which Goliath came. And immediately he places himself not only in danger, but carrying the very symbols that speak of the way in which Israel had defeated the Philistines. And so he's, he's coming from the presence of God where the sword was found with the bread of the presence. He's coming from there and he's going into the territory of the enemy. He is doing surely what he should not do. He is going where it was unwise for him to go. He is running away from danger and he's running into danger. And I think that reflects so often what we do ourselves. When we feel threatened, especially when we feel threatened in our faith, we, we, we carry out our own flight away from, from that place of danger and we place ourselves in even greater danger. And we see it so regularly in the Bible with, with people like Peter in the New Testament. We see it regularly in the life of the Church of Christ in the world when those who are the children of God leave the security of being with the people of God because they feel threatened in their faith and they leave the place of security and they go to isolate themselves and connect themselves with those who are the enemies of the people of God, those who are in the world and to belong to the world. And we need to remind ourselves that we are always open to that very danger. When we feel threatened, when we're afraid, that our fear will cause us to, to go down a road that we should not go down. And I'm sure there are times in the experience of all of us when we have made such a decision and when we have gone 
and found ourselves in enemy territory and not realizing that that's what we were doing until we found in the midst of it. And when we see David's flight, we see the way in which he is received in Gath. And in verse 11, the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. There are two things going on here. And the first thing is that there is no hiding place for David. He thinks he's going to the place of safety to be lost in the crowds in the city of Gath. But the moment he arrives there, there are servants, there are people who recognize him. They identify him as the one who is king of another land. But not only that, they recognize and they have heard the story. What is the story? It's the story that when David goes out to battle along with Saul, when they come home, they are singing this song. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. What does hearing that mean for David? It reminds him of David's determination to kill him. The two things pour into his mind in a place where he thought he was going to be safe. All that comes before him are reminders of who he is and what was happening to him. He thought he was going to escape from that. But instead, they are starkly brought before him in a way that didn't happen before. And you and I have to recognize that. It's a scary thing to go and associate with a world without Christ. And to find that when we think we're going to hide ourselves away from the pressure of being the child of God, that in that very place we're confronted with that very same pressure, with stark reminders and messages that, that speak into our lives. And God himself is telling us we cannot get away from who we are. We cannot get away from the journey on which God has taken us. It's a flight from danger into the territory of the enemy where the danger is brought before David's mind in a new way. The flight. Have you ever thought of running away from God? Maybe not physically, but, but intellectually, that because of, of the contradictions and because of the way in which things don't work out as you think they should, that you've taken a journey away from commitment to God and isolated yourself from that place where life with God is going to flourish. Have you been on that kind of flight? And have you come to realize that no matter how far you go, that God is there in front of you, even in the very people that are his enemies.
the flight. Secondly, we see the failure. And we see the failure because of David's response. What do you expect David to say? Okay, guys, that's okay. You know, that's, that's who I am. That's not how David responded. That's not how we would expect him to respond. He has been exposed. What is his response? In verse 12, David took these words to heart. His whole experience changes now. Everything comes into his whole way of thinking, his whole way of choosing, and his very affections and emotions. He feels himself seriously threatened. And we see that he was much afraid of the king of Gath. He was filled with fear at this encounter with the person who was clearly his enemy. There is a sense of dismay. There is a sense of emotional terror. There's a sense of intellectual anticipation of what might happen to him. He is greatly afraid. We should expect that response. But what should we respect, expect next? We would expect him to trust in the God who has chosen him, who has placed his spirit upon him, and who has assured him that he will be king of the land. But when we look at what actually happened, he does the very opposite. He does the thing that is designed to persuade all those around him that that cannot be true. In other words, he does, makes every effort to cover who he is and to hide under his own behavior. His means of safety is to say, that's not who I am. And his means of safety is he changed his behavior before them, pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. What on earth's happening to David? His spittle is, is running down on his beard. He's writing graffiti on, on the doors. He has gone mad in, in the eyes of Achish and all those around him. He has completely changed his behaving completely out of his character. And as we read down, we, we see that Achish says, Do I lack madmen? Not only is, is he behaving out of character, because, but he's behaving like the other madmen in Gath. And you, and you see the movement. He's done this to hide his true identity, or trying to hide his true identity. And by doing so, He's becoming just like those who live in Gath. And that's the kind of strategy that you and I will, will, will use if we're found where we should not be and we've found out where we should not be. We will try to behave like the world and try to hide our identity. And it's 
a shocking thought that that is actually possible. That the child of God, the Christian, could do that. To do a Peter and say and deny even with those, I do not know the man, I do not know who you're talking about. And that because he was where he should not be, both spiritually and as far as location is concerned. His response was one of fear that led to this change of behavior to the extent that it seemed to have worked because it gets him out of the place of danger. Shall this fellow come into my house? And we see in verse 22 that David departed from there. Sorry, chapter 22, verse 1. David departed from there and escaped. What the behavior that he adopted for his own safety seems for him to have worked. He has done everything to undo his royal identity. And because of that, Achish will have nothing to do with him. Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever been tempted to do that? That you'd rather say you're not a Christian, that you would rather say you don't belong to the church of Jesus Christ, that you would rather say that than stand and be loyal to Jesus. This response But we need to know what the passion was thinking. Because it is unfair to judge from the outside. We're so good at that. We, we see something happening and we see certain behaviors and we, we judge from the outside. And we have no right to do that because we don't know what's going on in people's lives. And here from this passage... We don't really know what was going on in David's mind. But when we look at Psalm 56, which is so connected to this passage, we see something striking. What do we see? We see that there was a spiritual struggle going on in David's mind because he was in a place of danger. Verse number one, man tramples, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. He is afraid and he knows and sees that, that God understands what's happening to him. You have kept count of my tossings, my tears, are they not in your book? David is churning things over in his own mind trying to reconcile where he is with with who he is. And when we see that struggle, we see in in verse number one of that same psalm, be gracious to me, O God. You would never think that David was praying when, when he was in the presence of Ahish, the king of Gath. But we see here now that he was engaging with God There was a spiritual struggle. And how did David escape from here? 
It was because God delivered him from the hands of the enemy. So we come to the end of the psalm. Yes, my, my feet were falling, but you have delivered my soul from death. And when we see David departing from, from the presence of the king of, of King Achish, king of Gath, it is because God has delivered him despite what he was thinking. And that's where we see the failing that David did not take the required action in the place of fear and in the place of danger. He should have trusted in God. And in his mind, it looks as if there are two things going on. And there is the, the temptation to, to deny who I am and, and seek escape from here by my own means. Or trust in the God who, who anointed me and to pour the Spirit upon me and to has protected me so far from the hand and the sword of King Saul. And in, in weighing all of these things in his mind, his choice was to deny his royal identity and status as the king and failed in his faith in the God who had blessed him. And that's the struggle that we all face. How to remain faithful in the place of temptation How do we think when we are in danger? What drives our choices? Is it the greatness of the danger or is it the greatness of the God who saves? How do we weigh up these things in our minds? Where do the strongest arguments come from? And for sure, if we're the way David was where he should not be, then the strongest arguments will come to try and persuade us to deny who we are. It is so different when we're where we should be. In that place, we are sensitive to the presence of God and it changes our decision-making so that we choose to put our trust in him. The failure to ask the question, have you ever failed God? To ask the question, have I ever failed God? The, the answer is obvious, of course we all have. But our failings are not an excuse for stopping. Our failings are an opportunity to learn, the wrong way, to learn the wrong way of doing things so that we will not make the same mistake. Every day is a school day. And if we are following the Lord Jesus, that's what we'll learn. The shame of our failings and the determination in the midst of our turning back to God or being turned back by God and being delivered by God. The Realization and the determination 
never to make the same mistake again. The failure. And that leads naturally to my third point, which is that if David's faith failed, then we have the faithfulness of God. What would we do if God was like ourselves? If his fulfillment of his promises depended on what you and I did? The faithfulness of God. He is unchanging in his commitment to our salvation. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul, gathered to him. And he became commander over them, and they were with him about 400 men. And so on down through that section. And what we do see here, developing as, as, as God rescues David, he is, in his own way, reminding him of his identity and reminding him of his origins. And we see his identity in the way in which he has said earlier in, in chapter 21 that he has made an appointment with young men for such and such a place. And here we now have his brothers and his father's house and those who are in distress gathering around him. Here is the rallying point. And the rallying point is a place where David is reminded of who he is as God's king, who he is as set apart by God, and who he is as the person who, just like the Lord Jesus, those who are in distress, those who are oppressed, those who are unwell, are gathered around him. He is reminded he is king, God's choice. He is also reminded of his origins. And when we read verses 3 down to verse number 5, we see that he is reminded of the way in which Ruth and Naomi came out of Moab. He is reminded of the way in which Ruth became the wife of Boaz. He is reminded of the way in which Boaz fathered Obed and the way in which Obed fathered Jesse and Jesse fathered David. Out of nowhere arises the house of Jesse and out of nowhere arises the kingship of David and they all come together as he sits in the cave of Adullam. And surely, for David now, there is a new beginning. Because we, we have him here, in verse number 5, we have him in the stronghold of the cave of Adullam. He went to the stronghold of the city of Gath, but he found himself in danger. He fled from there. He came to the stronghold of the cave of Adullam. And when he 
finds security in this game. He finds his security in God. We hear the songs of David. And when we sing his songs, we don't hear him singing that the cave of Adullam was a stronghold. In 2 Samuel 22, at the, towards the very end of his life, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge and my saviour. He prays in Psalm 31 and Psalm 73, be a refuge, be a strong fortress, a stronghold to save me. You are my rock and my stronghold. David comes to the cave of Adullam and he finds himself in the presence of God. And when the message came to him, in verse number five, then the prophet God said to David, do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. The word of God came to him in the stronghold. It's a kind of picture where he is in God, as if God surrounded him like the rocks surrounded him in the cave. And he is completely secure. He has come from a place of danger. But he's not to remain there. He is to carry on and go into the land of Judah. He is to go to the place over which he is to be king and the territory which belongs to him, but especially the territory which belongs to God. The word of God and the presence of God and the direction of God becomes David's portion here in this stronghold. The faithfulness of God. When we run away from God, so often the case that in our running away from God, we run into God. And he meets with us where we should not be to bring us back where we should be. And he does so confirming to us that he is absolutely faithful. That he will not let us go, even although we might bring shame to him, that he will rescue us, that he will deliver us, and that he will bring us to a place of safety. And in this stronghold, David is singing another song, and the song that he was singing in the stronghold is the psalm that we're going to sing in closing. Psalm number 34, which David wrote after he changed his behavior before Ahimelech. In the safety of the cave, fully renewed, restored to the presence of God, stimulated with fresh faith, and we can sense the joy in David's heart when you read that psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be repeatedly in my mouth. 
I saw the Lord, he answered me. Looking back to, to where he was in Gath, what on earth was I doing there? I was doing what I should not be doing. But what was God doing? He was rescuing me from that very place. And now I'll, I'll sing this song in the presence of God and call others to, to sing the song with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. He will sing with others, pleading with them to taste and see that the Lord is good. He will want them to share the lesson. Children, hither do ye come and unto me give ear. Shall you teach to understand how you should fear the Lord? He's got a lesson to share that he didn't have before. And it's to be so helpful for others. And he wants others to, to sing this song with him and, and, and to learn this lesson. And for you and for me, when, when God restores us and when he recovers, it's a sense of, come here and, and I'll tell you what God did for me. And you will weep your tears because of what you did. Tears of grief and sorrow. And you will weep tears of joy because the Lord delivers the person who is his own child. The Lord delivers the righteous. And it's remarkable as we close that there is Christ in that very psalm and that David was a prophet when he wrote that psalm and when he sang that psalm. And as we come to the end of the psalm, we read of the way in which <clears throat> the Lord delivers the righteous out of every affliction. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, not one of his bones will be broken. He delivers the righteous. He keeps all his bones. The prophecy. I go to see my Savior at Calvary. And he has breathed his last. He has committed himself to his Father. And the soldiers have a duty. Go and break their legs. And they came to Jesus on the cross, the righteous one. They came to Jesus and he was already dead. So they didn't break his bones so that this scripture might be fulfilled. Instead they pierced aside and out came blood and water. But the point is that the cross is the message of God's faithfulness and that when I see that Jesus died before a bone of him was broken in fulfillment of, of Psalm number 34 then I can say that God will also deliver me not in the sense that not one of my bones will be broken but out of all our afflictions and out of all of our pains and sorrows the Lord will deliver us.
And let the cross of Jesus be our encouragement and our inspiration as we read it into Psalm number 34, as we read it into the story of David here and his joy in the stronghold of the cave of Adullam. Let's beware of the danger of taking a flight away from God. Let's be on our guard against the failure of our faith. And let's rejoice tonight as we always do and should do in the faithfulness of God who will recover and restore and will ensure that our relationship with him will not be broken and that he will save us until the last. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we bow before you and we rejoice in you as our God. We confess before you our failings. We confess before you how often we haven't done what we should have done and how often we have done what we shouldn't have done. We are thankful to you for your mercy and and your forgiveness and your grace. Bless our hearts tonight from your word and help us to learn from the life of David and his own journey in learning the lessons of life in preparation to be sat upon your throne over your people in the Old Testament. Bless your word to us then we pray and go before us and accept us for Jesus' sake. Amen.